guys, it's Tim, and this is Pro Wrestling Unlimited, as we are here on Monday, the 13th of December, 2021, with a wrestling wrap-up. It's our Monday and Friday news show here in the morning, and it's, well, a bunch of news stories brought to you in one easy-to-watch video. Every Monday and Friday, we come to you at roughly 11 a.m. Pacific, and we talk about the biggest news or some of the news you may have missed over the last few days. Today, we've got eight stories on the dock. My, Hold on. Let me fix this camera. I've got an issue with the stand that this camera is on that it doesn't want to sit properly. So, yeah, the framing is going to be off. But with that, we've got eight stories or so to talk about. We'll try to hit them all here if we can. And if you're subscribed later, you get the post show. But let's jump right into saying thank you for joining us here. We're live on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited, youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and twitter.com forward slash PW Unlimited. Remember, if you are watching on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can help us out by hitting that donate button down below or donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with Amazon Prime because, you know, if you're paying Amazon Prime, you link it to your Twitch account, bada bing, bada boom, Prime Gaming, or you can subscribe with a tiered subscription just like Cold Cuz KC has done over 11 months but on the flip side on the flip side if you're watching on youtube you can help us out in the live chat with a super chat or a super sticker donation also remember you can subscribe to the channel and become a channel member by hitting that join button down below doing so gets you early access to news early access to podcast episodes early access to non-news videos and exclusive access to the random wrap-up the post show to the wrestling wrap-up every monday and friday the only way to get that is to be subscribed as a channel member here on YouTube or by subscribing over at patreon.com forward slash PW Unlimited. And the final way you can support us here at Pro Wrestling Unlimited is with the Epic Game Store. Are you over there on the Epic Game Store buying some new games, getting skins for Fortnite or, or getting skins for Rocket League or buying V-Bucks for Fortnite? Are you trying to grind out to get Spider-Man for season Chapter 3, Season 1 in Fortnite and say, eh, you know what? I don't want to do the grind. I'll pay the 80 bucks to level up and get Spider-Man. Well, if you do, if you purchase anything from Epic Games or the Epic Games Store, use this code right here, PWUnlimited. It'll ask you for a creator code. And in doing so, you will be supporting us right here at Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And it's not going to cost you anything extra to use this code right here, PWUnlimited. To support us when buying anything on the Epic Game Store, whether that is a new game, whether that is stuff for Rocket League, whether that is stuff for Fortnite, or anything else that Epic can give you. But with that, like I said, we've got a number of new stories to jump into. And the first one we've got, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be a long one, and it's a little heavy. An incident went down this weekend. Had a life of it. Oh, man. this is. I'm just going to read. From Fightful.com. They have a good write-up about it here. And we'll get more in-depth with some other info as well. But let's start right here. 39-year-old wrestler and YouTube personality. Uh, Devin and Nicholas, also known as Hannibal. Or The Hannibal. Or as some may know his channel, The Hannibal TV. Was part of World Class Revolution's Christmas Star Wars show. In Irving, Texas. That was a... That's all a planned spot go awry. Nicholas, under a character named Blood Hunter, 
was planted was planned to attack a referee. Nicholas took the spot way too far and left the referee, Lando Del Toro, requiring medical attention due to numerous lacerations. Nicholas had been pulled off, had to be pulled off of Del Toro. Not just the spot went bad and then when they realized it, no, no, no. No, he kept going and the spot went bad. I'm not going to play the video. There is some pretty graphic video to go along with this. I will put the link to that video in the description of this, but I'm not going to play that here. So, uh, Butch Timmons, uh, oh, you're talking about the chat, okay. Um, so, going forward, despite speculation and comments made over the weekend and stuff, we have seen the video, and it's pretty bad. But one wrestler that was actually there actually took to Reddit to recap, and I'm not going to read all of what he wrote, but to recount his experience at the show and what exactly went down. Colby Copper... Colby, I'm going to butcher this last name. Colby Cowperthwaite posted the following. And again, I'm going to abbreviate some of this. So we'll put links in the description below. He said, What's up, guys? I was the ref in the match, not the ref that got fucked up, but the actual match referee. Bloodhunter slash Hannibal refused to listen to me, and I could tell something was off and immediately told Carlito to get the fuck out and finish the match. Bloodhunter went totally off the hinges and refused to listen to me. He tore the other referee up, then hid the weapon he used to do it. Cops were called. I gave a full statement about what I believe happened. Kevin Sullivan, or as he said, Kevin fucking Sullivan, told me to kayfabe the cops. So basically, he was told, hey, hey, we're going to... And what, what it means by kayfabe the cops means we're going to protect Hannibal. So lie to the cops to make it not look as bad as it is. He would further go on to note, I told the cops what I thought. I believe it was absolute assault. He went way above and beyond working. There was no safety on his part. As a ref, the most critical thing I can offer the people I work with is that I will make sure they are safe. And I feel like I completely failed at that. I should have stopped the match immediately when I noticed something was off. I apologize for that. He would go on to talk about a lot of different other things and whatnot. He would um, actually also post a link to a GoFundMe that will be helping out Lando as well. We will put that link in the description. If anybody would like to go help out Lando as well. But according to this write-up by Fightful, they actually spoke to a couple of wrestlers that were at the event. First one they did speak to was Clayton Bloodstone, who told Fightful, quote, They planned a blood spot, a blade spot, but Hannibal took it much farther. I guess the ref's blade wasn't working, and Hannibal began stabbing him in the head multiple times. The ref went immediately to the hospital. We all thought he was going to die. Many of the guys in the back were visibly shaken up from it. Hannibal gave zero fucks. He acted like it wasn't a big deal. He was in his RV pretty much the whole time before his match. The ref that refed his match believed he was intoxicated and warmed Carlito, who was working Hannibal, to be careful and end the match ASAP. Um, an anonymous source stated the following. The police questioned him, Colby, the ringside referee on the scene, and management. Eric Embry, the booker, was saying, quote, I don't know why the ref would say what he did. 
when the when do wrestlers talk about their matches, right? Sullivan and Embry showed a complete lack of empathy. They didn't even try to seem at all concerned about what was happening with that man who was bleeding so profusely I couldn't tell where I where it was coming from. Another anonymous source would uh, tell Fightful, quote, I saw Hannibal walking backstage with a beer in hand about two hours before the incident. He was hiding in his RV until it was time for his match, which he took five minutes to arrive, arrive to and smelled like booze. You would think that people backstage would be a little bit concerned, but they were more interested in protecting Bloodhunter. I legitimately looked in the man's eyes and thought he was dead. He just lost his wife in the summer and his daughter was in the crowd, as well as children. Only commentator Brittany, Brittany Nicole Houtland provided more detail on the situation, stating, It went way too far. There was supposed to be a small cut to just show some blood. Then Hannibal took a spike to Lando's head, which was not supposed to happen. Nicholas was pulled off of Blaze, a valet, off by Blaze, a valet, also not supposed to happen. But he saw things going south. Nicholas then fought with Hannah, with the other refs, go back in the ring, and started to stab Lando more. There was so much blood. No one knew things had gone too real. Because no one knew but the ref and Hannibal. Even the promoter didn't know the spot. So it took everyone a second to react and realize this shit wasn't supposed to happen. It was horrifying. Hannibal was pulled to the back and was talked to by police and then left before the wrestlers could get their hands on him. Then the hospital had to shave Lando's head to close all the wounds. It was terrible. Now, again, I'm not going to show any of the the pictures here in case anybody doesn't want to see them, but... Lando himself did post on Twitter. We've seen multiple photos of all the staples to close up all the cuts in his head, but he did state, quote, on Twitter, recovering at home, still a big, fu- a big fuzzy in pain. Yes, lots of pain, but I'll live. Thank you all for outpouring of love and support. I am firm. Be- I am a firm believer that if you put put good out into the world, good will return to you. So this is an unfortunate event. They, many people who were there live and backstage and whatnot do believe that Hannibal was actually intoxicated and went into the match drunk. When the referee realized, hey, I think this guy's drunk, so Carlito, who was working with Hannibal, hey, we're, we're ending this match. This guy ain't in no shape to be doing this. Go to the finish. They went to the finish, and then apparently this spot that was planned to just be a small minor spot with the referee, a second referee at that, Went way, way too far. I know many people have already spoken on this over the weekend, Saturday night, going into Sunday and this morning and so forth. But yeah, that's just, you don't go this far. I'm not someone who can speak on ever being in a ring or being in the moment of being at a pro wrestling show and having to perform and a spot not working and having to improvise. But this just doesn't seem like the way to improvise. If you're just supposed to slightly cut the guy open, and make him bleed a little, that doesn't mean grab a shank or a knife or whatever and just keep on going. And then when someone tells you to stop and they pull you off of him, jump back in and keep going. No, that's just no. But 
Lando Del Toro does say that he's going to be okay. He says that he will recover, and he's just glad to be alive. So, more power to you. We will put the link to his GoFundMe in the description of this video below. So, yeah, just very unfortunate circumstances that did go down this weekend in Texas. But as we talk about that, as we talk about that horrific event, we got to talk about some brighter news. So let's talk about some brighter news with one Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, Diamond Dallas Page got secretly married last week. And not only did people not know that he was about to get married, his girlfriend slash Brief fiance now wife didn't even know she was getting married that day. It's a wild story. It's a great story. Let's talk about it right here. WWE Hall of Famer Diamond Dallas Page has married his girlfriend of two years, Paige McMahon, in no relation to the WWE McMahons. Last Thursday, December 9th, at a secret private event. Secret private, I guess you could call it wedding. For now. He is married to, and I'm not joking here, Paige Page. Her first name is spelled P-A-Y-G-E, and we all know Diamond Dallas Page, P-A-G-E. So the wedding was a surprise to McMahon, well, the former McMahon, Page, Page Page now, as DDP and his daughter Brittany organized the entire ordeal and rented out a hotel in Chattanooga, Tennessee for the event. In a, quote, Press release sent out for this, it stated, WWE Hall of Famer Diamond Dallas Page, 65, surprised his girlfriend of two years, retired adventure athlete Paige McMahon, 47, with a wedding on Thursday, December 9th, 2021. Yes, DDP threw a surprise wedding. Of course he did. Page and his daughter, intuitive designer and luxury event planner Brittany Page, organized this elaborate ruse. They rented out the entire banquet hotel, the Dwell, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Created a false invitation to, quote, friends, to a, quote, friends red and white Christmas-themed party. Then invited 115 of the couple's closest friends and family to a very real black and white red wedding. Coming in hot from the party, McMahon wore a red backless evening gown. Paige wore a custom Hidoki bespoke suit with matching fedora. The evening started with a surprise proposal amidst, amidst the, couple, the couple's family, immediately followed by the reveal of their gathered friends and a fairy tale ceremony. Naturally, she did say yes. Among the guests were court TV analyst Julie Grant, country musician Justin Fabus, WWE Hall of Famer Rob Van Dam, wrestlers Katie Forbes, Harold Ice Train Hugh, NZO Enzo, Big Cass, Ace Austin, GM Miller, Eric Watts, Mark Merrow, and Hollywood Yates. After declaring, you may kiss your bride, bro, Dr. Asa Andrews, who performed the ceremony, introduced Mr. and Mrs. Dallas and Paige Page. Yes, her name is now Paige Page. So, very, very cool to see here. We do have some pictures of the nuptials. That we will put up right here on screen if I can get them to load. I mean, great, great, cool thing to see. Like, 
page over here. Um, this. I think it was really awesome that he did this. You know, she wasn't expecting it, of course. And here's the ballsy thing about this. Here's the ballsy thing. What if she would have said no? What if she would have said no? What if she was like, uh, no. That's the ballsy thing about this. And for some reason, they won't scroll through the images. We'll do this one right here. We got this image here, this image here. And of course, Paige has a lot more images on his Twitter. I'm going to pull up as well. But it's, it's just awesome to see the two people in love were able to go out there. And he was able to keep this a surprise. That's the coolest part about all this. That's the coolest part about all of this. That he was able to plan the whole thing and her not even know. Her not even find out about it. So we've got this where he did the actual proposal. And then the photos that we already saw a couple of these. But the photos of them. In front of the Dwell Hotel in Chattanooga. We also have these photos of him with family. And him with um, other guests as well. As you see here, you've got Enzo, GM Miller, Ace Austin, Big Cass, Mark Marrow. And you got RVD and Katie Forbes and others as well. Really, really, really cool to see Diamond Dallas Page. I want to say congratulations to the new married couple. Hey, if you're going to go out and do it big, why not do it this big? By saying, hey, we're going to a uh, Christmas party. So dress nice. It's, you know, this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then go, oh, by the way, oh, we're getting married today. Just think, again, just think. If, and I, I know he was very confident in this probably. And they probably had spoken multiple times about marriage. But just think if something would have been like in her to go, oh, no. Damn. 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 But again, I wanted to congratulate the new couple, Dallas and Paige Page, on their nuptials. Their private secret nuptials that, here's the other crazy thing. They got married last Thursday. They had 115 people at the wedding. Nobody leaked it out until they put out the news on Sunday. That's the other cool thing, that people can still keep a secret in the world in 2021, and someone doesn't just go, I got to leak this on social media. I got to post about this on an event I'm at. No, they kept it a secret, and no one knew about it until yesterday when they actually revealed the news. So that's awesome as well. As we move on, we got some other awesome news-ish some people think it's awesome. Some people think this news is bittersweet. Well, we got to talk about Ring of Honor Final Battle. Ring of Honor Final Battle took place this past Friday night. No, Saturday night. And it was, I guess you could say, as some are calling it, a bittersweet moment for Ring of Honor. It is the last time Ring of Honor will be ran as a 100% full-time normal wrestling company. The word is that in April, Ring of Honor will be returning after taking four or five months off and be ran as kind of a just quote indie promotion. They will not have wrestlers signed to the company, at least for the most part. There is rumors swirling that if you're a champion with ring of honor, like the new ROH world champion, Jonathan Gresham, you will be under some sort of a not exclusive deal, but some sort of a deal that does guarantee you work with ring of honor and pay as their champion. They're working on a couple of, from what I've heard, they're working on a couple different business models. Again, they're working on, A, not signing a full roster. 
They need people to work. They'll bring them in just like any other indie pro indie promotion, like Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, West Coast Pro Wrestling, or GCW. And then the other thing I have heard is possibly, and this is very possibly, if you're a champion with a promotion, then you may get signed to some sort of a contract just to guarantee that the company will have faith in you as their champion and this and that. And it's not exclusive though. It's not going to be some exclusive deal where you have to ask us to work other dates and this and that. And that's the big thing here. And I know a lot of indie promotions have this fear of, okay, we're going to put all our eggs in this basket. This guy's our champion. Hopefully he doesn't get signed by like AEW or WWE. And then they say, boom, you can't work for us anymore. And that was a criticism I saw this weekend with Ring of Honor. They're like, oh, why wouldn't you put the title on, on Jay Lethal? Jonathan Gresham's good and all, but why wouldn't you put the title on Jay Lethal? Because there's no guarantee that after this weekend, Jay Lethal would be allowed to even work for Ring of Honor anymore since he's assigned to Ring, since he's signed to AEW. So putting the title on Gresham was the right move business-wise, knowing that when you come back, you'll still have the same champion for the most part. But as far as that show did go, we did see a lot of surprises. We did see a lot of appearances, and I wanted to talk about some of those as well. The first surprise of the night was Rocky Romero, who has recently appeared for New Japan Pro Wrestling, AEW, Impact Wrestling. He worked last Friday at West Coast Pro Wrestling, and Romero did provide commentary and compete on the show. Also, we did see EC3 and Dan Housen. Despite not being advertised, both were previously signed to Ring of Honor. Dan Housen provided commentary for the 10-man tag team match. And while EC3, we all saw on social media, if you didn't watch the show, you still saw it on social media, what EC3 did. EC3 brought his, brought his narrative buddies in. He brought in Weston Blake, the former Wesley Blake, and he also brought in for the show the Titan Adam Shear, the former Braun Strowman. Yes, Braun Strowman or Adam Shear, I don't, I don't want to piss off Titan, because I saw some couple people on social media go, I got Braun Strowman, and he just comments, my name's Adam. I mean, I assume he's using that kind of a tone, because that's how Braun always talked, or Adam, my name's Adam. Anyways, EC3 was in the ring, cutting a promo, he had his narrative guys with him, again, West, the former Wesley Blake, now Weston Blake, and a couple others that I don't recognize, and then out comes the Titan. And he wrecks shop in the ring. He gets on the top rope. And we hear Ian Riccoboni. That's the Titan. That's the Titan. Adam Shear. So it's like. You're going to bring him in for one show. Hopefully he's willing to work more. And comes back in April. So Impact's Eddie Edwards. Also sent in a video. Thanking Ring of Honor for everything that they did for his career. He's a former world champion there. Television champion. Tag team champion. And last wrestled for Ring of Honor in 2013 at the Final Battle event. Current AEW World Champion Hangman Page sent in a video thanking ROH and their fans for his time in the company. He is a former World Six-Man Tag Team Champion with the Young Bucks and last wrestled for Ring of Honor on January 26th, 2019. Jimmy Jacobs sent in a video recalling his time. He's a former five-time ROH Tag Team Champion, winning the titles twice with BJ Whitmer, Twice with Tyler Black, now Seth Rollins, and once with Steve Carino. Jacobs last wrestled for Ring of Honor at Supercard of Honor was a nine, where he lost a no DQ match to BJ Whitmer. We also saw others send in videos as well, like CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, the Young Bucks, and also saw former Impact Knockouts champion Deanna Perrazzo show up on the show as well. 
After Roxy retained the ROH Women's World Championship against Willow, Perrazzo came out and said that Roxy has something that has always been hers. And I'm like, always been yours. You never wrestled in Ring of Honor at a level of challenging for the belt. I don't even think, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Has Deanna Perrazzo ever even wrestled in Ring of Honor since they've implemented a, world, a women's world championship? I don't think so. But she said that once she defeats Mickey James for the Knockouts Women's Championship or the Knockouts Championship, then she wants to come and challenge Roxy in a winner-take-all match. So she's currently the Reina de Reina's champion for AAA. She wants to get back the Knockouts title, and then she also wants to take the Ring of Honor championship. So my question is, but what if you don't beat Mickey? Is that now just spoiling you're going to beat Mickey? I know Taya has also challenged um, Deanna Peraza for the Reina de Reina's championship. So is Taya now not winning that belt? I don't know. I kind of didn't like this challenge because she's like, I got a belt. I'm going to get back another belt. And I want to take your belt. Well, it's like, well, you may lose one of those belts to Taya. What if you don't beat me? Anyway, I'm thinking too much into it. But I think Deanna versus Roxy could be a really good match. Roxy has surprised a lot of people this year. I mean, in my opinion, I'd give her Rookie of the Year. Hopefully, in our year-end awards. I, I know she's going to be nominated. I can spoil that right now. Roxy will be nominated as one of our four nominees for Rookie of the Year. And so, more power to you. But the show did end with a tremendous world championship match. Unfortunately, the, at the time, current ROH world champion Bandito had to pull out of the show after testing positive for COVID-19. They then set up a main event between Jonathan Gresham and AEW's Jay Lethal with the vacant championship on the line. The match was great. About 10 minutes into the match, the locker room empties and surrounds the ring. As the locker room empties, they're just going wild. The crowd, they had a good crowd. I think it was like 1,500 people, which is really, really good for Ring of Honor because for the last year or two, they weren't getting many people at all. But they had a great crowd that was really into this match. The roster really made this seem like a big match with them being all there. And in the end, the octopus, Jonathan Gresham, locked on an octopus and defeated Jay Lethal to become the ROH world champion for the very first time. For the very first time, he then celebrated with his wife, Jordan Grace, and Baron Black as well. They raised his hand, and the show went off the air. I did hear, though, that that match did get cut for time because they had a hard out at 10.59. The match was supposed to go, I think, 20 to 25 minutes, and it was cut to maybe 15. So that's unfortunate that as great as that match could that match was, could have gone longer. I would have watched those guys go longer. Maybe five minutes more. I don't know if I would have gone ten minutes more. But I would have gone five minutes more. But overall, I thought the show was really good. Way better than I expected. I went into it going, eh, I may or may not watch this show. And then early on, I get messages going, you need to be watching the show. I'm like, well, I can't really review it or anything because I'm not home. I was out of town at a family event over the weekend. And I was like, but I can watch it. So I was watching the show, and I'm like, wow. They did more than I expected, and the show was really, really, really good. So I want to give kudos to Ring of Honor for putting on a good show. Apparently, the word was that a lot of people were not calling this a goodbye for now, but a goodbye overall, as far as people in the back saying, hey, we never see you again, we never see you again. They were giving their their condolences, not condolences, but their goodbyes to Carrie Silkin and all them. 
So we'll see what happens. The very end of the show, it said something along the lines of, as one era ends, another era begins. April 2022. And then it just fades to black and it's over. So, again, if we do hear anything for further on what's going on with Ring of Honor in 2022 and how the company will be ran and so forth, we'll have it for you. I'm, I'm very interested in this story to see what happens, who they can get to wrestle for them. Because now the big question is, you've got an influx of free free agents coming from Ring of Honor, whether that is free agents at the beginning of January or free agents at the end of March. They're now going to be free. And some of these, as we've learned with Jay Lethal, aren't going to wait either. They're going to go to Ring of Honor and say, you know, I'm not free till March. I, I, I got opportunities. Let me out now. And they, they almost can't say no, to be completely honest. So it's going to be interesting to see. Oh, hold the phone. I missed one of the biggest surprises. Now it just came to me after some reason didn't write this down. FTR. The Briscoes retained the, or no, the Briscoes won the tag team championships for, I want to say, the 11th time. And then call, they said, yo, we're dem boys. Ain't no one ever been better in the tag team division of Ring of Honor than us. We've been here basically since the start, and there's no tag team that can hold the candles to us. Well, the lights go out. And when the lights come back on, there they are. Dax Harwood, Cash Wheeler, FTR. They jump in the ring. The two teams brawl. Many people had to pull the four men apart. And it looks like we're going to get FTR versus the Briscoes. I would assume that's going to be in, in AEW. I don't know where else that would be. I highly, highly, highly doubt they wait all the way till April to do this match. But, but, ooh, FTR versus the Briscoes. Ooh, I'm very interested in that one. I'm very interested in that one. And that, that's and what got me remembering that match is thinking about who's going to come free. And the Briscoes were the first ones I thought about. The Briscoes. Does AEW pick them up? I doubt they ever go to WWE. I know WWE had interest in them in the past, and then some of Jay's previous insensitive tweets came up, and they soured on that. But WWE was at one point interested in the Briscoes and then turned on that and said, you know what, never mind. So Briscoes, they're probably going to be, out of everybody in Ring of Honor, that's going to become a free agent. They may be at the top of the list of pick these guys up. They're at the top of the list. I think Roxy is pretty high up there because she's so good, so young. She's only going to get better, and she is somebody that eventually could be a big player in a women's division, whether that is in Impact, whether that is in AEW or for WWE. But because she is so young and as good as she already is, I think she's somebody that you should grab now to invest in for your, your division's future as a future champion for you. But as we move on, we've got some more things to talk about here. Story number four has to do with WWE and day one. So we had heard at one point that WWE day one tickets kind of slowed down and this and that. And then all of a sudden, whew, ticket sales back on the rise. And according to WrestleTix, they do state that, quote, strong movement of late for this show, day one that is, is because upper decks have expanded. Yes, WWE has actually had to open up more seating in the State Farm Arena for the day one show on January 1st, which is a good sign for WWE. As far as tickets do go, there were just uh, 1,612 tickets available for day one 
as of this past weekend, according to WrestleTix. There were 7,982 tickets distributed, which is 83% of the 9,594 that were totally, you know, put on sale for capacity. So I don't know if that 9,000 number is going to expand now because they've opened up more seating or if that's the number with more seating opened up. But it looks like we could be getting a good crowd for the day one show on January 1st. So that's really good to hear that those tickets are going well. Many were skeptical how WWE would be able to do on January 1st. It's a Saturday night, so it's not like it's a, it's not like, now here's the issue. So it's been reported that WWE day one, they want it to be an annual thing. And this was a complete Nick Khan idea. Hey, let's, let's run on January 1st. It's a big day every year. But here's the problem you have with day one. This year, you're fine. It's a Saturday. Next year, you're fine. It's a Sunday. But what about the following year? On a Monday, we're going to get Monday Night Raw, day one edition, day one edition Monday Night Raw, and make that a pay-per-view event instead of a Raw. That's where you come up in the hiccup. First two years, you're fine. Day one on Saturday, day one on Sunday. But once we get into Monday, that's Raw. Tuesday, that's NXT. What do you do from there? But it's good to hear again that the day one tickets are doing pretty well and that they're selling enough to where they thought, okay, let's open up more seating and give people more opportunities to get into this show. As far as the show goes, we do know uh, four matches so far announced. WWE Hall of Famer Edge will be taking on The Miz. The SmackDown Tag Team Championships will be on the line when the New Day challenges the Usos. In a triple threat match for the WWE Championship, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens will be challenging Big E in a triple threat, and Brock Lesnar will be challenging Roman Reigns for the Universal title. So again, Day one shaping up to be a pretty good show. They want it to be a big deal event. And we'll see how it goes. Again, I'm skeptical on what they do in two years. Do we still get day one on a Monday? I don't know. I don't know. But going forward, I'm going to just quick hit on this one because we did put a video out about this this morning. But Bailey has provided an update on her current injury, her knee injury. Bailey suffered a knee injury training back in July. She has been out now for five months. Next month will be six months. When we heard the injury for an ACL, torn ACLs are usually nine to six to nine months. Usually you prefer the latter, nine, eight to nine months. But Bailey said the following on a charity live stream on her Instagram stating, people are asking how my knee is. So my knee doing great. My legs doing great. My ankles doing great. My calf is doing great. My shin is doing great. My hip is doing great. My mind is doing great. So I mean, it's only a matter of time. I'm not going to tell you when. I don't want all these idiots watching to know when. But I'm going to be coming back soon, maybe. Y'all be ready. Be ready. So the big question there with Bailey is, how soon is soon? Is soon January 3rd, two days after day one? Is it day one? Does she show up at day one? Or is soon Royal Rumble, the end of January? Or is soon for her WrestleMania, April 2nd or 3rd, or the night after WrestleMania, or even between Rumble and Mania? That's the big question of when is soon for Bailey. But it's good to hear that Bailey's in good spirits. Bailey's doing well. She's on the mend. Let's get her to the end of that mend and back in the ring for WWE. 
Going forward, we got some more female wrestling talk to talk about. As Sonya Deville had an interesting interview where she talked about not quite the how she became an authority figure on television, but what led to that. I liked I liked the way she described this. She spoke with Anthony or Alex McCarthy of Talksport, where Deville Deville revealed that coming up with the whole gimmick of her being an authority figure and wearing the suits and everything was during a, I guess, hangout session with Vince McMahon. DeVille stated, quote, Yeah, the Royal Rumble was discussed. There was a lot of different ideas when I first came back, but ultimately it came down to a decision that was made that I had something to do with. I was basically in Vince's office and we were kind of just throwing ideas out. And I had mentioned that I had a three-piece suit that I wanted to wear on TV. Kind of wanted to start incorporating this boss suit look into my character, whatever that may mean. He kind of just started thinking. He was looking, and I could tell his wheels were spinning. And he said, quote, "Uh, Do you have the suit on you? I said, No, it's at my hotel. He said, All right, we'll get someone to go get it. And that's when I wore the suit and walked down the hallway for my return. He's just so genius and so creative. He just saw something that day when we had the small conversation that just unraveled this potential story and character, and that's what we've got going with it. So it's really cool that, one, to hear that she's just in there speaking with Vince, because it's crazy to hear that she's in there just talking with Vince, coming up with ideas with Vince. When you hear other guys like Jeff Hardy said on the Stone Cold podcast or the the Broken Skull Sessions. He's been in WWE for how long and never once had an actual face-to-face conversation with Vince. He said whenever he wants to pitch something, he sells it to Michael Hayes, who then takes it to Vince. But for her to be like, oh yeah, I just go straight to Vince. I was in his office. We were just throwing ideas around. Like, wow. Okay. Kudos to Sonya Deville. I had always heard that Vince was very fond of her. But I didn't realize until this interview that, you know, so fond that she could just be sitting in his office and they're just throwing her ideas around. But that's really, really cool to hear that her and Vince, I wouldn't say we're chilling, but yeah, we're out there. We're in his office. Cool. Having fun, throwing ideas together. Like the way she described it in the interview was a good time. She threw that out there saying, I want to wear this on television. And he took the idea and ran with it. Going forward, our last little hit of women's wrestling news. Stardom will be part of New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom 16 this year. We got some info on this, but there's still a couple questions to be answered. New Japan sent out the following press release stating, As previously announced, Stardom will be part of Wrestle Kingdom 16 with a special stardom match on night two, January 5th, at stardom's event in, and I'm going to butcher this, Takahobababo, Takadanobaba, Tokyo, on December 12th. The match was determined with a special faction lottery. With a tag match official for the Tokyo Dome card, the five main factions of stardom would each see a representative take part in a straw-drawing lottery. SWA champion Siri represented Donna Del Mondo. Mayo Iwatani acted on behalf of Stars. Wonder of Stardom champion Tom Nakano, Cam Nakano, 
represent a Cosmic Angels, while High Speed Champion Starlight Kid acted on behalf of Oedo Tai. After the consultation with Utami Hayashishida, Sayaka Montani was allowed to represent Queen's Quest. Each representative would draw one of five stars. Two stars would be colored red and blue at the top, at their tips to indicate the red and blue corners, while a colorless straw would indicate elimination from the event. Siri drew first and was eliminated from the match. Mayui Watani and Starlight Girl each drew blue straws. SLK joined the villainous Oedi Tai for stars as a result of losing an elimination tag back in June, but has come into great success since and represent icons of stardom. Mayu, with a difficult reu- uh, with a difficult reunion. On the opposite side of the ring, Mayu is not far removed from a war with another one of her teammates, Tam, Tam Nakano, over the Wonder title in Osaka Joe Hall this autumn. Basically, we're going to get a tag team match with women from stardom, but the big question here is, will this match actually be on the show or a dark match? Last year, we did see a stardom match on the pre-show for Wrestle Kingdom, but it was technically on the pre-pre-show because we always get the Rambo on the pre-show, and that airs on New Japan World. But this stardom match was before the Rambo and didn't even air on television. So the big question here now is when this match does take place inside the Tokyo Dome on January 5th, will it actually be televised? Will it be televised during the pre-show, before or after the Rambo? Or will it actually be on the main card of Wrestle Kingdom 16? But it is cool to see that, again, stardom will be represented at Wrestle Kingdom in some capacity. But we just got to find out in what capacity that actually, actually, actually is. And as far as our final news note does go, one w, former WWE, now AEW star, been, been announced for a very interesting show. And honestly, I'm trying to find something out here really quick. Um... So let me read the thing and then I'll uh, let me read the story and then we'll go and find out the deal. So AW star Brian Danielson has actually been announced for Qatar Pro Wrestling Super Slam 3 event scheduled for March 19th, 18th and 19th, 2022, according to Lucha Libre Online. The report included quotes from QPW president Ali Al Marafi who confirmed that Danielson will be signing a contract this week to make things official. His opponent has yet not been named. Danielson will be will be joining fellow AEW stars Brian Cage, Sammy Guevara, and Sting, WWE Hall of Famers Bret Hart, Booker T, and Eric Bischoff, as well as Killer Cross, the former Carrying Cross, at the event. Other names for the event include the Titan Adam Shear, former Braun Strowman, EC3, and New Japan stars Hiroshi Tanahashi and Will Ospreay. So it is interesting to see that Brian Danielson will be actually participating in this show out in Qatar. And this is actually, and I'm trying to get the exact date and time frame here, the first, the first match that Danielson will work that's not a WWE or AEW match since, and I'm trying to find this out. 
let's see. Here we go. Here we go. This will be the first time that Danielson works a non-WWE or AEW event since October 1st, 2010. The last time Brian Danielson was not in a was in a match that didn't fall under WWE or AEW was for NEW on this on October 10th, 1st, October 10th. I hate when when websites do this where they they put the date and then the month. It always throws me off. Put the month and then the date. But it was October 1st where he took on Shelton Benjamin for NEW in their 15th anniversary show. So that's really cool to see that Danielson will be working this show in Qatar again. It's wild to think that he hasn't worked for anybody but WWE or AEW in well over a decade now. Well over a decade. Well, yeah, about a decade and a half almost now. He's only ever worked because he worked. He, he signed with WWE, did matches for them, then got fired over the Justin Roberts incident, then got rehired and was with them for 10 years. Then left WWE, took a few months off, straight into AEW, and hasn't done anything since. So that's really, really cool. But with that, guys, that is the wrestling wrap-up. I do want to mention we do have Monday Night Raw tonight. The only two things that have been announced for Raw, Bobby Lashley will speak on his, I guess they're calling it, vicious attack last night on last week on Big E, Seth Rollins, and Kevin Owens. Plus, we got the finals of the RK Bronament. The Street Profits versus the Mysterios. The winners will then earn a shot at the Raw Tag Team titles. But with that, I want to say thank you for joining me here for the Wrestling Wrap-Up on December 13th, 2021. Remember, I will be live later on tonight for Monday Night Raw, but I'll also be live in about 20 minutes for everybody subscribed here on YouTube as a channel member or at patreon.com forward slash Unlimited for the random wrap-up. So with that, guys, again, have a great night. Don't forget to follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash pro wrestling ULTD, youtube.com forward slash PWUnlimited, twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited, and on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling unlimited. But I want to end this on one final note here. So I sent out a tweet this weekend with all the stuff going on with Matt Hardy. I've heard a lot of different people try to give their quote-unquote views or narrative. And a lot of people, for some god-awful reason, trying to say that Jeff did this or Jeff didn't do that or Jeff did what he did to get himself fired because he knew WWE wasn't going to let him out of his contract. Bullshit. And I sent out a tweet stating, quote, Use your voice for good, not to make baseless claims about someone with no facts. And I, I stand behind that. Don't just say stuff because you think you know. Because you've been in a situation and know that, oh, that's not what people were saying because I've been around people like that. No. No. But I wanted to send it here to one Matt Hardy. We had a very interesting thing to note on Instagram this weekend. Basically saying the same thing. Speak before he got the facts. He stated, now, all the, know all the facts before reaching to conclusions. I want to play this before we do sign off.
and the audio is not playing. Give me one second, guys. Let's restart it. In this day and age, there's so much information on the internet available to each and every one of us. Now, there's so many things we can read, but that doesn't necessarily mean all of it is correct. That doesn't mean all of it is accurate. There's also a lot of disinformation and misinformation and confusing information. There's so many people out there that will read one thing about a particular story, and because of that one piece of a bigger puzzle or a bigger picture, they will jump to a conclusion. They will pass judgment on a situation. The thing I ask of each and every one out there is like when you hear about a situation and you find out one thing, make sure you find out as many facts as possible. Get as many pieces of the puzzle, get as many pieces of the picture before you form a conclusion. Because if you don't, you may end up looking bad. Because it is very important in this day and age to know all the facts before you make a solid conclusion.